Welcome to the wicket. Yes, it's the wicket and we're back with chat about cricket in the Gulf region, Asia and globally. I'm Brian Murgatroyd and I'm joined as ever by John Pike, columnist with Arab News. And a little bit later on, we'll be joined by Subash Humagain. So what have we got for you this time? Well, we've got the latest, of course, in the ICC Cricket World Cup. We've got the result of the ICC sub-regional qualifier that took place in Doha and ended last week. And also the result of the International League T20 development tournament in Dubai in the UAE. So we'll uh, look at that because, of course, that is the uh, the forerunner, the precursor, if you like, to the major tournament, the ILT20, that will take place in the UAE in January and February of next year. So first of all, we'll uh, get cracking straight away with the ICC Cricket World Cup and the host India off to a winning start, winning their opening match against Australia and doing very well as well against uh, Afghanistan. But in that Australia match, John, I think the the outlier really was the pitch, wasn't it? Because uh, most pitches we've seen in the tournament so far have been very batter friendly. But that uh, pitch, in Chennai, it helped the spinners. Uh, obviously, India won comfortably in the end, and Australia looked quite ill-equipped to cope with both bat and ball. Yes, India, and I think the captain in the previous uh, in the uh, press conference prior to the match suggested that uh, a three-spinner option was um, one of the cards for them. That's what they decided to go with, and it worked very well. Um, we've got three high-class purveyors of, of spin bowling in the side, and they had Australia really strangled, particularly um, partnership between Smith and Labuschagne never really you know, got going. They seemed to have a game plan to, to, to attack, but they never really took any risks uh, along the way. And it um, really stultified the, the innings. As you say, the other pitchers so far have been very batter-friendly and, and batters have taken advantage of it. It looks like on those type of wickets that scores of or targets of 350 in excess um, are going to be the order of the day. The importance, I guess, from India's winning start is it gives not only the team itself some momentum, but it also, it also generates a buzz around the whole tournament, doesn't it, with the hosts doing well? Yes, it does. My impression um, in the week I've been here is that the India is um, sort of expectant of victory and everything seems to be geared towards it the way in which visitors are are, are being um, treated and the, there seems to be no no prisoner been 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 taken so uh, they're fully up for it and it would be a bitter bitter disappointment to them were they not to go on and win it Australia's performance though in that match against India it does place a, a huge level of importance on their next match now against South Africa and of course they're coming into that match with South Africa chock full of confidence they uh, won their first First match and won it very well against Sri Lanka, and they beat Australia in a bilateral series leading into this tournament. Yes, I was at the match when South Africa pummeled um, Sri Lanka. It was a vicious display of uh, very clinical hitting. Sri Lankans didn't know really where to turn. They seemed to have no answer to that at all. The only time they did seem rattled was when Kusal Mendes and fired off uh, 78 in very, very quick fashion um, before he ended the innings rather tamely. 
um, they really didn't seem to know where to turn. And they were obviously mightily relieved when that happened. And from then on, it was it was pretty well downhill for Sri Lanka. New Zealand, though, they're off to a flying start after big wins against uh, England and the Netherlands. And I think we should uh, just have a quick mention of your uh, wonderful prediction on the first podcast uh, at the Wicket. You were singing the praises of Ratchin Ravindra, and lo and behold, he comes out and plays an absolutely superb innings against England, gets 100, got a half century as well against the Netherlands. He's absolutely flying himself. He is, and he's a delight to watch. He's such a, an unfiltered cricketer. He's playing the, the game um, with, with joy. Uh, clearly, his teammates love him. I was really quite impressed by the way that Devon Conway guided him through the latter stages up to, up to his century. Uh, and in in his press match conference, he um, he recognised that the, the contribution that, that Conway had made. I hope my prediction for his bright future continues because uh, I think he's great for the game. What about England, John? It was important they bounced back as they did against Bangladesh after that limp opening loss to New Zealand. There were runs for David Milan and Joe Root. And Reese Topley was impressive as well, wasn't he? Emphasising the variety they have in, in their attack. Yes, England, the last few years, seem to have uh, favoured um, left-arm quicks. And um, now Topley certainly uh, filled, uh, filled that bill. A very important win. There some people were worried about the sort of mental approach to the game because they were critical of the outfield, Josh Butler in particular, fearing um, uh, injury and decided they needed to field very smartly in those conditions, but, uh, which they did. And Butler himself played a rather skittish innings for captain, promoted himself to number four, and then he tried to hit every ball out of the out of the ground and and failed to do so, um, being out for twenty. But um, they'll be in much better spirit and, and much better health as a result of that victory. Let's now bring in Sebash Humagain, who's cricket reporter with Arab News. And uh, Sebash, what have your impressions of the tournament been so far? Yeah, it's been the run chases and the big scores. Uh, India, as we all know, has been very famous for the runs and this World Cup has been no different. We've seen record chases, we've seen big scores and I'm expecting more hundreds and more big runs to come in these uh, coming weeks. And what about Pakistan, Subash? Two wins so far against the Netherlands and Sri Lanka. A record run chase in that second game with Abdullah Shafiq and Mohamed Rizwan scoring hundreds. And those two victories coming despite a contribution from Babar Azam. Yeah, Babar's uh, struggle has been surprising for, for many and for me as well. But how the way the team has backed up, uh, especially Mohamed Rizwan, the innings that he played against... Sri Lanka in this record is shows the spirit, the intent that the team has. And Abdullah Safiq coming in straight into the team, uh, delivering for the team. I think Babar Azam should be a happy captain. As a batsman, uh, he's struggling, but uh, I think he's got enough time ahead in this World Cup to prove his, uh, what he's worth. And especially in India, with all the craze between Birat Kohli and Babar Azam, I think uh, Babar still has his time and he'll come good with his time. And how much do you think Pakistan are missing Nazim Shah? Obviously, coming into the tournament, all the talk was about the three big quicks that uh, Pakistan had. Nazim Shah, also Harris Rauf and Shaheen Shah Afridi. No Nazim now. He's undergone shoulder surgery. How much of a loss has he been so far, do you think? 
So far, I don't think uh, they're missing him. But with the tournament going forward, I think Pakistan will certainly miss him. Nasim Shah, his pace, the explosive pace that he uh, starts the innings with. Uh, he set the new ball with Sahin, like we saw in the Asia Cup as well. So Nasim Shah brought that uh, energy in the uh, in the pace attack. But with Hassan Ali, I think he uh, he has that. But uh, the brush of pace that Nasim Shah has, I think that's definitely going to be missing for Pakistan. And with big teams yet to come, that will certainly be a problem. And the area that Babar Azam will look, look to uh, other players to fulfill in. And of course, Sebas, we've got uh, India-Pakistan to look forward to in Ahmedabad. What a prospect that is. Big, big match. Pakistan going on a good run. India, I think, to convincing victories. Uh, this this couldn't have um, more been more good situation for both the teams going into this match. I think this will help them gain momentum going ahead in the match in the tournament as well. And I into the semi-finals. And India, Pakistan, Ahmedabad, a big occasion and a fitting occasion for this World Cup as well. Subhash Hamagain there, the Arab News cricket reporter. Back to you now, John. John, what trends have you spotted in the tournament so far? Or is it too early to to read too much into what we've seen up to this point in time? Yeah, I think in a way it's it's too early, except um, that on the, the batter-friendly wickets, if they continue, as I mentioned before, it's 350 is going to be a, a, a sort of a target that needs to be set. We don't know... Our spinners are going to play their part um, if if there are turning wickets. Uh, India clearly a very strong uh, suite uh, in that respect. I would say that uh, I'm guessing that we were looking at four from six um, for the um, for the semi-finals. I think that trend is becoming clear also. Of course, the Cricket World Cup hasn't been the only action taking place in the cricket world of late. We're focusing on two other tournaments as well that have importance across the Gulf region and Asia. First of all, in Doha, Qatar, the sub-regional qualifier for next year's ICC 2020 World Cup has taken place and it wrapped up at the back end of last week. Why was it significant? Well, it featured four sides, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Qatar and the Maldives, all of them battling for one spot in the full regional qualify in Nepal. It starts at the end of this month. That Nepal tournament features eight sides and two of them will go forward to the T20 World Cup in the Caribbean and the USA next year. Uh, That tournament has been expanded to 20 teams. In Qatar, Saudi Arabia and Kuwait were comfortably the, uh, the best of the sides. It came down to a straight shootout, actually, between them for top spot in the group with sides playing each other twice each. Saudi Arabia won the first encounter against Kuwait, but uh, in that final match, Kuwait won by four wickets with 10 balls to spare, chasing 174, and that was enough to see them top the group on net run rate and progress to Nepal. It's worth uh, pointing out that uh, Hisham Sheikh of Saudi Arabia was the most successful bowler on uh, any of the sides. The right-arm medium pacer took 12 wickets, with an exceptional economy rate of 5.86, the best by any bowler across the tournament who took more than one wicket. And Hisham's a good news story for Saudi cricket, actually, because uh, he's someone who's developed through their pathway system. He's played age group representative cricket before his current success at senior level. But now it's Kuwait. They'll go forward to the full regional qualifier in Nepal, where the eight teams are divided into two groups, That's Kuwait joined by the UAE, Hong Kong and Bahrain in Group B. 
And in Group A, it's Malaysia, the hosts Nepal, Oman and Singapore. Each side plays the others in its group once, and uh, that's followed by crossover semifinals with the winners of those semifinals going on to next year's main event. So uh, quite a significant event regionally, John, that uh, event in Qatar. It was Kuwait who came out on top, but just ahead of Saudi Arabia. What did you make of what happened there? I think the Saudis will be very disappointed not to uh, not to finish top, having beaten Kuwait earlier in the competition, as you mentioned. It's encouraging that, that they have... Uh, Somebody coming through from the development ranks. It's something they need to do in order to progress their um, credentials in the area. They're getting better. It's going to be, I think, quite a long haul, but encouraging signs um, overall. Uh, as far as the, um, the the regional qualification tournament is concerned, Nepal and UAE are particularly strong sides, but they're going to be challenged, um, certainly by um, Oman, who, as we know, uh, made uh, had a, the victory, first victory over test-playing nation against Ireland, and they made the 2021 T20 World Cup. So there's certainly no pushovers. Um, and it'll be a fiercely fought competition, I would imagine. As for Kuwait's chances, I'd put them behind those countries. Yeah, absolutely. It is going to be a cutthroat event. All these uh, qualifying events involving associates and affiliates uh, invariably are. Meanwhile, in the UAE, the ILT20 Development Tournament wrapped up at the ICC Academy in Dubai on Tuesday evening, the 10th of October. It featured six teams of UAE qualified players or soon-to-be qualified players. And the goal for all of those players was to put their names forward through performances so that the six ILT20 franchises would consider them for spots in their squad lists for the second season of that tournament that's due to get underway on the 19th of January next year. Now, uh, who have been the success stories of that uh, development tournament? Well, the event was won by a team called the Braves, who overwhelmed the Blitzers by nine wickets in the final, winning with almost uh, eight overs to spare. But uh, that was almost secondary to the individual performers who will be hoping they have done enough to catch the eyes of the uh, franchises who were either present or watching the action on streams provided by the ILT20. And there'll be a, a draft coming up uh, later this month to see who goes where. The standout batter was Asif Khan. He made 96 in the final from just 47 balls. And he finished the, the tournament with 383 runs. That was more than 100 than the next highest run aggregate. Uh, and he scored them at a strike rate of close to 150. That was exceptional. And with the ball, the top performer was uh, Asif Khan's teammate, actually, uh, Haider Ali. He took 15 wickets at an economy rate of just 6.81. And crucially, that included four for 11 in the final. Asif Khan, quite well known, of course. He got a, a 100 in no time at all in Nepal earlier this year. I think it was 42 balls, actually. That was in uh, one-day international cricket. What's your takeout from um, from that uh, ILT20 development tournament in Dubai, John? Well, I would think that um, Asif Khan's name is going to be on everybody's lips in, in the Emirates as a result of that performance in, in the final and in the competition as a, as a whole. And you also mentioned Haider Ali, who's a standout bowling figure. So those are the, the, the two top performers. Um, so there have been some notable performances, and those are the people who 
we'll be hoping that they um, are going to be looked upon favourably when the uh, final drafts for the IOT20 comes around. Yes, a total of uh, 11 UAE players have been retained by the franchises following season one, and that means there are 13 spots up for grabs to be determined. So uh, we, of course, here at the Wicket, will keep you up to date on who's going where once that draft has taken place. But that's what's happened. Let's look ahead now to what uh, the next week or so has got in store. And I guess, John, it'll be all eyes on India against uh, Pakistan. That's the blockbuster to come on Saturday. It certainly will. There won't be a seat in the house. I don't know how many millions are going to be glued to the to their televisions. Already the anticipation is, is rising. India, to me, look um, as if they're going, getting stronger and stronger. Pakistan, of course, had a, a record run chase against uh, Sri Lanka, generated really by a superbly experienced innings. Well, she was under pain from uh, Mohammed Rizwan, century from uh, um, Shafiq, to bolster the, the batting, which to me looks a little bit on the, on the weaker side, particularly compared with, with India. But uh, we shall see, as we've discussed before, Pakistan have the capacity to surprise um, everybody when least expected. And what matches will you be going to over the uh, the, the next week, John? Right. My next uh, next one is um, a return to Darmanshala, where I'll be picking up on South Africa v. the Netherlands. And after that, it's going to be Australia New Zealand. But I shall be keeping very close tabs on, on it all whilst I'm, I'm in India and, and getting around and talking to people within the game. Well, it promises to be uh, continuing to be fun and games there in India. John, thanks very much for uh, joining us as ever. It's been a pleasure to uh, to chat with you. And thanks to uh, all the listeners uh, for joining us at The Wicket. We'll be back soon with more cricket chat from the Gulf region, Asia and worldwide. Please don't forget to like, subscribe and comment on what you've heard wherever you get your podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback and let us know if there's anything you'd like us to feature in future episodes. For now, though, this is Brian Murgatroyd along with uh, John Pike and also Sebastian Hummer again, thanking you for listening and we look forward to your company next time.